I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to be talking about these two wonderful readings, the uh, two readings from John, the letter and the gospel. And I'm going to start with the letter because it talks about how uh, anyone that says they love God but hates their neighbor is a liar. So if you are a lover of God, then you will love your neighbor. And the obvious target of that message is for people who aren't loving their neighbor. And it's a pretty... uh, Uh, It's pretty easy to grasp. The concept is not particularly controversial anymore. Um, uh, But at the time, the the point needed to be made. Certainly in our context, I know that intuitively and culturally, we tend to evaluate ourselves as a church by how well we express that principle of love and compassion to each other and to our community. That seems to be ingrained in our culture. Even if we don't live up to it, we know we should be. So it's there. So it's not telling us anything we don't already know. Um, And it's not telling us anything that we have to proclaim to the world. So it's important, it's critical, but it's not particularly interesting. What's interesting is the gospel. Because that is far more in opposition to the culture in which we live. The gospel talks about how if you're, uh, if you're going to bear fruit, if you, the fruit being something to do with your character or your love, um, if you're going to be doing that, you have to be attached to the vine, which is Christ. If you're not attached, then you're, you, you're like a branch that has fallen off of the source of its life and you will wither and die and you're useless to everybody. You might as well get thrown in a fire and burned. Um, this is not, you know judgment and damnation, it's more a, uh, more a sense that a vine grower that's trying to produce fruit is not interested in the vines, in the, the branches that have fallen off the vine. So it, they're no good anymore, is the main point of the image. And that's the countercultural part, because that has to do with the religion bit of what we're about. And it, it ties in interestingly in terms of our uh, messaging to the community about our hall. We all know that if we say, we're a church, please give us money, no one out there is in the remotest bit interested. And in fact, they're somewhat hostile uh, to do that because the prevailing winds these days are that religion is part of the problem in the world, not part of the solution. They like everything about what we do except the religion bit. So feed the hungry, hooray, excellent, we applaud that. Good food box, wonderful, free space for community groups like Sparks and the, the schools and all that kind of stuff. Great, you know, it's just the religion part that we don't want to have any time with. And that's what the gospel's about because the contention is that without the religion bit, all the other stuff withers away and dies. And that, I, I actually believe that. That is, that is something I am happy to proclaim to you because I've seen it. I've been around long enough to know that when the spirituality withers and fades, then the other stuff also withers and fades. And, it, and worse than that, it becomes warped. Um, Augustine had some very uh, good insights into human nature. He was a little weak in some areas and strong in others. But one place where Augustine was very strong is that he recognized that the problem with being a sinner or with sinning is not that you don't have any love, because you still have lots of love, it's just that your love has become disordered. You love wrongly. 
the, the, the attachment, which should be something that gives life, starts to suck life away. And so the, the, um, the, the interpretation of what sins are are that they are disordered loves. So classic example, alcoholism. Um, that there's nothing wrong with a glass of wine, but when the love for wine becomes disordered, it destroys you and all that you care about, your relationships and all the rest of it. And you get to things that are less obvious um, that you can have disordered loves with. Uh, the, uh, your reputation, for example. It's good to have a good reputation in small towns. In fact, that's your most important possession because if you lose your reputation, you, do every, you lose everything. And your reputation, your reputation facilitates good interactions with others around you. You build trust with your neighbors. But when you have a disordered love to your own reputation, then things start to turn sour. Um, there's still a love there, but the love has become disordered and the sin starts to creep in and it starts to twist into something that it ought not to be. And this is, we're all prone to this. Everything that is good, everything that we love can be disordered. And the way to prevent it from becoming disordered is to keep in touch with the source of love itself so that that keeps us grounded and rooted in the love that is pure, which is the love from God. So there is, a, there is an absolute interconnection between our spiritual lives and our moral lives. It's not a matter of the moral, the moral side is good and, and fine, and the spiritual side is just nonsense. It's quite the other way around. Um, I, I watched in some dismay when a colleague of mine locally got all excited about serving the community and uh, donated their entire worship facility to be a, 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 a community building and said that, that we've got this wonderful piece of real estate and we're gonna use it for the community and we're just gonna meet in houses and we're gonna pray together like the early church did and it'll be wonderful. And what happened was that the worshiping community in fact disintegrated. Those few that continued went to Salmon Arm or wherever the closest uh, uh, building was for their community to gather and pray together. And in the end, the pastor here ended up presiding over uh, some outreach programs in a coffee shop. Um, and that was all that was left because the worship that was the heart of what fueled the operation was the part that he felt was, that's, that's the less important to have a building dedicated to worship than a building dedicated to loving the community. So the, the message from John is that what we are doing right now, you know, wasting time together is the best thing and the most important thing that we are, do, we are doing. We are wasting time in God's presence. We are reconnecting ourselves with the source that fuels everything else, that gives life to everything else. And when we are disconnected from that spiritual connection, from our prayer life, from our, our openness to God, that's when things start to go sideways. That's when our baggage starts to get in the way. That's when our anxieties start to get in the way. That's when everything just spins us out into something that's not love. So this notion of the vine that provides the energy for us as branches, the, the, the connectedness of us to the vine is what fuels the love that we have for the neighbor. Um, it's, and, and of course, you can't uh, say you hate your neighbor and say that you love God because you've cut yourself off from the source and it's obvious in your behavior. Um, but more subtly, if you think you can have the neighbor love without the God love, then you're also mistaken. It's both and. And I know even speaking for myself, life in ministry is a life where I'm supposed to be all about God all the time. And I'm not. 
I'm running around doing this and doing that and going to meetings and running to the hospital because so-and-so is in it and so forth. And when I've become disconnected from my own spiritual life, I'm just running around out of anxiety and a fear that people will get mad at me for not doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. And that's not love. That's me worried about reputation and so on, right? That's anxiety. That's fear, which is the opposite of love. Love has no fear. Love and fear are opposites. And so for my own good, my own well-being, I need to keep reconnecting. Sometimes my prayer life falls to crap. It's true. But that's why at least once a year I go to the monastery to waste a week. All I do at a monastery is take a bit of reading, might not even be heavy reading, um, wander in the woods, and go to church five or six times a day. That's all I do. And do nothing in the presence of God because that's the stuff that gets me from the spinning around and brings me back to who I am and in relationship with God. And that, that's my lived experience. And so I can say from personal experience that when I've become detached from the vine, you might as well throw me in the fire because I'm not doing anybody any good. And it's true for all of us. We don't have to be clergy to be in that same dynamic. And so I, 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 I'm happy to proclaim this scripture to you. I feel it. I live it. I live it every day. I feel it when it's not working. I feel it when it is working. And, and so that, that notion that the prayer life is the heart of who we are as a faith community is real and living. It's not just academic. It's not just a belief that the Bible tells us and we salute the Bible and say, yes, that's what I believe. It's something that we participate in. And so we engage. We pray. We open ourselves to God's presence. And when I say pray, I, I mean, need to be really clear. need to be really clear. When we think of prayer, we often think of intercessory prayer, prayer where we're talking to God, asking God for stuff, opening help, asking God for help and engagement in the concerns of our life. The kind of prayer I'm really getting at is just the opening to God prayer. It's where is God right now? It's the kind of prayer that we do when we're in silence, but it's also the kind of prayer that we can do every moment of our ordinary lives as we go through our regular life to do it in a mindful way. Where is God in this moment is the kind of prayer that I'm really trying to get at. And that's the source of all the fruits that we talk about. Peace, joy, patience, love, gentleness, self-control. Pick a list. Um, there are a number of options of lists that you can have. So, so connect to the source. All the rest will flow. And so thank you for being here with us doing the most important thing that we do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Together, the hero Israel at the bottom of the first page of the worship booklet. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and the great commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these.
the Lord. Lord, we come to you with thankful hearts and with an awareness of our many blessings. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our parish, we give thanks for the ministry of all those who are working for the building committee. We pray for all of those in care homes. And we especially pray for Chris, Gary, and Wendy and for their ministry among us. Strengthen, guide, and support them in all that they do. Lord, in your mercy, 